Praise the Lord, everyone. We want to thank you so much for joining our online family on today. We wanted to let you know that it would not be the same without you. We also want to praise the Lord for 52 years of anointed and spirit-filled leadership of our pastor and first lady, Bishop Charles E. Blake Sr. and Lady May L. Blake. We praise God for their leadership. Let's get straight to the word, shall we? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, which read, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedai. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us nor do we know what to do, but our eyes upon you. The Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Now here in the text, it would seem that King Jehoshaphat did not know what to do about the situation that he and the children of Israel found themselves in. The reports reached him that the kingdoms of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir had decided that the children of Israel did not have the right to breathe the same air as them and had decided to wipe them off the face of the planet. So these kingdoms banded together and combined their forces and began to advance on the children of Israel. Militarily speaking, there was no way the armies of the children of Israel could defend against them. They were too outnumbered. 
Jehoshaphat the king said in verse 12, he said, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. I have to admit that for a while now, with the way things have been going and the way things went in 2020 and even moving into the year 2021, that we've had to deal with the same feelings that Jehoshaphat was dealing with in our text. There are so many things that seem to be coming against us, trying to assault our peace and steal our joy, all of it crashing in on us all the time now. I hate looking at the news sometimes, but I feel that to not look at it, at least for a while, makes me feel like an ostrich sticking my head in the sand. We must not be afraid to look the beast in the eye. Just don't stare too long. But the scale of all of the pain and anger and despair sometimes makes me feel like Jehoshaphat felt, that we have no power against this great multitude of despair that is coming against us nor do we know what to do. Every day seems to serve up a fresh batch of insanity. We wonder what to do about COVID-19, which is still raging on. Some people don't think it's real, but hundreds of thousands of Americans have died. More and more, we're being faced with situations that are proving to us that we don't know what to do and that there are no quick answers to the issues we are facing both in our world and in our personal lives these, these days. Even in the middle of all of that, we can't forget that there are things that are happening in our lives personally in which we don't know what to do. Problems and situations that we are facing in all of our lives which we can't easily find a solution to that we don't have the answer for. And it can be tough because as a man, I was taught by my culture to always know what to do. You see, not knowing what to do signifies that you are not in control of your circumstances, that you are at the mercy of your circumstances. There has been so much change that it seems like the world has been turned completely upside down. It's hard for people to know where they stand and where their place is in the world now. It brings about a particular type of anxiety. The way some people have chosen to deal with this anxiety is to create their own reality and rage against the facts that are before them. They create their own narrative in which they are both hero and victim. No matter what they are shown and no matter what the facts say, they hold on obsessively to their view of reality and they will burn the world down because it does not agree with that narrative. The tragic event at the beginning of this month was a sad example of this. There were people that were so affected with feelings of hopelessness and powerlessness in the face of change that they were willing to believe a narrative that created its own reality. A reality that had its own set of facts fed by the lies of a man that was sworn to protect the laws and the Constitution, but instead he desecrated them fueling actions that, to me, went far beyond the boundaries of protests and landed squarely within the definitions of outright insurrection and rebellion. 
There are those of us within the body of Christ that are on both sides of the issues that we are facing today. The body of Christ seems to have been ripped asunder. But this is nothing new, is it? It's not the first time that we've been here, is it? During the time of slavery, there was a great division in the body of Christ. Most of the Christians that lived north of the Mason-Dixon line believed that slavery was evil, while most of the Christians down south, below the Mason-Dixon line in the southern states, believed that it was ordained by God. The body of Christ was completely torn apart over the issue. In many ways, you can see that we are still divided. But if there's any confusion on the matter, here's a good measuring stick. 1 John 4 and 12 says, No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If there is no love in your gospel, then you have to ask yourself if that is really the gospel you believe in. Sometimes change brings about fear, but perfect love casts out fear, doesn't it? When I see everything going on out there with all of the strife and turmoil, both man-made and brought about through nature, I have to admit that we ourselves do not know exactly what to do to make things better or make these issues go away. If the answers were easy, then we would have found them and done what we needed to do. But there are no easy answers as to how to deal with the issues facing us now, are there? The reason I have entitled this sermon, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, is because in my assessment, even though Jehoshaphat said that he didn't know what to do, he knew exactly what to do in this situation. It says right there in the word, I think it's a very good thing that we're in the middle of our consecration during this time because in the middle of all of this madness, that's the best thing we could be doing right now. Jehoshaphat did just that very thing. He called for a fast and he prayed, recalling what God had said in the past, what he promised Abraham and his people and who he said he would be to them. Second Chronicles 20 verses six and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. He assessed their situation and the intentions of their enemies next. Second Chronicles 20, verse 10. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, 
whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, and they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming out to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. And then he appealed to God for action and acknowledged his helplessness. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Then they heard the promise of the word of the Lord next. And he said, the prophet said, listen all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. They then positioned themselves and stood still. The word reads, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who was with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. In 2 Corinthians it reads, and this is the best philosophy to have, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. You see, it seems like no one wants to be told what to do anymore. They say it's being too preachy. But sometimes you need to be told what to do. If you're in trouble, you sometimes need to be told how to get out of trouble. Traffic lights and stop signs are there for a reason, my brothers and sisters, to tell you what to do. You don't get mad at them. They are there for your benefit, for your safety, to keep you safe. Sometimes you need to be told what to do. Well, beloved, I'm about to tell you flat out what you should do. You can call me preachy if you want, because I'm a preacher. If you're at a place where you don't know what to do, then you need to put your eyes on him. You need to get in relationship with Almighty God and stay there, and he'll tell you exactly what you need to do to get out of the situation or the hell that you're in, even if you put yourself there. On the wall of my house, next to my door, there's a scripture that Dee put up. I thought it was cute, you know, but in the middle of all of this insanity, one night when I was pacing through my house late in anxiety, stressing about what to do, it jumped off the wall and smashed right into my heart. In fact, Elder Lawrence preached a message on it not too long ago. It's Psalms 91, and it reads, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. 
Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot upon a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. My brothers and sisters, that means that no matter what is going on out there, if you put your trust, your life, your hand in God's hand, he will protect you better than any army. The safest place in the world is smack dab in the middle of his spirit, in the middle of his will for your life. He never promised us that there would never be storms in our lives and in the world today, but he did promise that he would never leave us. He promised that he would be our refuge and our fortress that he would cover us with his wings, that he would be our shield. Even though we might not remember it because it's so far back in our history, God has brought us through much more terrible times in the past. If we believe that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, then we have to know that if he brought us through those times before, that he can and will bring us through these times. Like Jehoshaphat, our prayer to him today can be, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who sustained us when we had nothing but pain in this land, when we were slaves in this land? through everything this world has done to crush our spirits and steal our joy, you have sustained us all of this time. Like Joseph, you have blessed us in the land of our captivity. And in these changing times, Lord, we know that it is only you that can sustain us. It is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit that we will come through these times as you have brought us through dark times in the past. We thank you that this battle is yours. We know that all we have is you 
but we know that you, Lord, is all that we will ever need. And even now, Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but we know that it is you who holds the future. So we look to you, who is our salvation. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Wherever you are, just lift up your hands and give the Lord praise for the victory. When we're faced with uncertainty, just remember that God knows what to do. Our God is a deliverer. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. He is the way when there is no way. You see, in the end, God let the children of Israel actually see that the battle was not theirs to fight. He sent a wave of confusion over the camp of that combined force that had come against them, and they destroyed each other to the last man. God's people did not have to throw one blow. They didn't have to burn anything down or storm the capital. They just had to keep their eyes on the Lord and position themselves to see the victory because the battle wasn't theirs to fight in the first place. It was all God's. All they had to do was position themselves and be still and know. You see, my brothers and sisters, all you have to do to position yourself is to get in the spirit is to get in relationship with Almighty God. And you can do that right now by truly accepting Christ into your life as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we know that as long as there is a devil, there will always be a battle that has to be fought. You said in the world we will have tribulations, but you have overcome the world. And we thank you that the battle is not ours. We thank you that the battle belongs to you. Lord, we thank you that in the middle of all of this overwhelming pain and anxiety, that all we have is you, but you are all we'll ever need. Lord, we pray that you will show someone that is racked with fear and turmoil that you are the answer. We pray that they will allow you to come into their heart that they will ask you to forgive them of their sins. Lord, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he came and died for our sins. We believe that he arose on the third day, and we ask that you forgive us for the wrong that we've done. And we will live our lives from here on out in service to you and in victory over this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, my brother, my sister, if you prayed that prayer with me, you are now saved. You can rest in the fact that the God of the universe is alive in your life. It doesn't mean that you'll never have another storm in life, but you can rest assured that you will not be alone in the storms of life. We pray that you will join a Bible-believing church in your area that preaches the gospel in love and know that we here at West Angeles are praying for you. God bless you, and we love you.